You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Today's podcast is sponsored by Benign Images. Benign Images is a storyteller consulting company. Through meaningful dialogue and guidance, they help storytellers of all kinds to tell the stories that they feel they have a need to tell. Whether it's through simple editor services, consulting, or helping creatives to set up an effective work habit, Benign Images will work with you to help you become a better storyteller. Start your project with them today by visiting their website, benignimages.com. That is benignimages.com. B-E-N-I-G-N images.com. Go check them out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the podcast. This is of course Real Talk with Zuby. On today's episode, we have got on an artist, a socio-political commentator, and a well-known YouTuber. And this is, of course, Anomaly. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thank you. When you said socio, I thought you were going to say like sociopath at first. You're like, I would have cracked up. <laughs> artist, so I would have been like, hey, man, come on. No, thanks for having me. <laughs> that's all blessed, bro. So that's a real quick intro there, man. Tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm a, a hip hop artist. I've done that for a decade. And then I, I can call myself a news analyst or same thing that you said, just try to analyze the news. I started when I, I always knew how dishonest it was, but the 2016 election, I took a closer look and I realized exactly how dishonest it was and it was all in unison. So I decided to try to debunk a lot of media lies and that's kind of mainly what I do. And now I just chat and try to add value in other ways as well. That's awesome, man. So what was it that made you go, man, I need to put my voice out there. Somebody needs to say something about this all. Was there a particular moment or something that you saw maybe in the media that spread that on? Through music since 2008, I always called out the media and the wars and the lies, but I never liked politics. I was like two parties. They're all liars. I'm over it. You know, Obama, Bush, I don't care. But the new election, I was like, maybe I thought Bernie Sanders, he kind of positioned himself as an outsider. I didn't understand economics or, or healthcare at the time. So I was like, maybe he can just bust the system wide open, kind of like Trump's doing. So I saw how they covered him and I just was blown away by it. And then I saw how they covered Trump and was blown away by that. So I mm. I just don't like dishonesty, even when it comes to a Bernie or a Trump, whether you like him or dislike him, you got to report it accurately. And that's not what they do when they analyze the right wing. You don't have to be right wing. But if you lie about who everyone is, if, if you just group everyone together and lie about it, it's not effective. So I, I started kind of getting into that. And uh, I also did a Delta Airlines video. There's a big story that they said this guy, you know, they kicked him off because of his uh he was muslim or whatever but then i found out he was a prankster and he always does pranks and they didn't report mm. that so stuff like that just big lies and uh i was like i gotta do this yeah man well we'll get into your work in a little bit but i want to talk firstly a little bit more about you yourself so whereabouts are you from tell us your life story yeah, I'm from uh, New Jersey, uh, born and raised, and I was a, I like soccer, basketball, always was an athlete growing up and not a good kid in school. I never really followed suit and uh, creative, but not didn't listen very well. Uh, went to college at West Virginia University, dropped out after a couple of years, was more interested in rapping, ended up coming to what, Los what Angeles. Were you studying? Uh, journalism, actually, uh, okay, advertising, okay. advertising journalism and Strangely enough, I feel like I learned more through the internet than, than I did there, but it could have been because I wasn't paying attention. So no <laughs> offense to my professors. 
when I came out to Los Angeles, there was uh, people who were interested in managing me and they, they brought me out and let me live for free for a while. It was a little situation. So I came to LA and uh, just been pursuing that. Worked in digital media for a while at some pretty big companies or on big clients and stuff and did social media and then just applied it to myself eventually. That's the short, short story version. Okay, man. And how did you get into music? I think I liked poetry growing up. Shell Silverstein, Where the Sidewalk Ends. I loved rhyming. So I always wrote rhyming poems as a kid. And then I remember I heard Forgot About Dre by Eminem. And the way he was rapping so fast, him and Dre, I was like, whoa, this is like poetry on steroids. So I started <laughs> getting into that. And, um, you know, people early on, Jedi Mind Tricks, uh, Atmosphere, I would say, and Eminem were people that made me want to rap. And then I just started freestyling at parties and stuff. Okay, cool, man. And uh, what have you got out there in terms of music and releases and videos and stuff like that? How much uh, how much stuff have you put out there over the years? Uh, Mixtapes, um, probably like six, five. I have maybe one or two EPs. Uh, I have, have a bunch of freestyles over beats back in 2008 to 2011. I had a couple million views, just kind of a few went semi-viral, just rapping in my car and stuff. I did stuff like that. And now I have a song called I Like Trump. I have a song with a, a rock group called Trapped. They did the song Headstrong. If you've ever heard that song, I did a new song with them called Come Together. Okay. Uh, yeah. So awesome. a few new songs out there. That's dope. So you're a rapper who lives in LA who made a song called I Like Trump. So yeah. this is going to need some uh, explanation, man. <laughs> uh, I just like Trump. I didn't even vote for him. <laughs> I, I didn't even I didn't even vote for him to be honest. Uh, but you know, as as things came along, I, I just common sense and what he was doing. And uh, my friend sent me a beat, and I probably was just watching too many Trump videos. So I I, I made the song I like Trump. I, I recorded it, and uh, you know, it's been a couple million streams and views. Uh, it's been doing well, but not getting a lot of promotion from the right wing, not getting any promotion from the left. The Daily Beast <laughs> contacted me. They said they wanted to do an article, but I, I declined because uh, they the guy who wanted to write it just hates right wingers, like anybody's right of center. So I was like, nah, I'll pass. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of, I was bopping my head and I was like, I guess this is where we're going with it. Yeah, fair enough, man. So <laughs> you, so many people I interview for different reasons, it seems like 2016 was a very monumental year kind of like a turning point for a lot of people regardless of where they live or what their political views are it seems like so much stuff just happened and changed quickly in that year you see a lot of people saying that's when that's when they got red pilled or that's when they saw the the media was manipulative or on the other side that's when people say they saw that's that's when they realized that everybody half their nation is full of racists apparently <laughs> uh, you know I, I live in the uk i live in the uk myself i don't think that uh, final analysis is is too accurate people try to say the same thing here with brexit that um it was just all based on anti-immigration and xenophobia and racism and all that but those are people who are very much in their little bubble and echo chamber but it seems very prevalent so as an artist who's out there in um obviously a very liberal area and who is pro Trump. And even has a song called, I like Trump. <laughs> I mean, what's the response there? Like, I mean, obviously you've got your following online, but I mean, what's it like there in the, in the world of music or with other artists or, you know, do they get where you're coming from or are you a little bit of an outcast in that regard? I would say uh, outcast, but I've always been an outcast. I had label meetings because I had some viral freestyles when I was 19 or 20. So I had big label meetings, independent meetings. They'd flown me out and they always wanted me to do something I didn't want to do. You know, they told me back then not to talk about politics because I was talking about George Bush. And, you know, they were like, don't talk about politics, only talk about weed and women. And I was like, <laughs> no, nah. I always said no. I never, I never had like a lust for fame or anything. I was like, that's not right. And I always mm -hmm. knew, I'm like, that's not, I could be successful without that. So I've outcasted myself probably from industry execs like eight years ago. And out here, like my friends who recorded the song and produced the song, they, uh, you know, my one friend is the tour DJ and producer for Lil Xan, the rapper Lil okay. Xan. Really, uh, they, we're good friends. You know, my friends want me to win. You know, people that are my friends don't want me to win. And, uh, Anybody else I don't really care about because I've never really been in. So it doesn't, I'm not an actor. I don't work for like Disney or anything. So as far as I know, most people are cool with it. Some probably aren't, but I don't get that much backlash from industry people because I've, uh, I've always been an outsider and um, 
that's it's good. I don't have to be like Mario Lopez and do a fake apology. Oh, dude, that was that that upset me. I was offended by the apology. I was like, the the statement wasn't offensive, but the apology, I'm like, man, no, no. It's so weird. I mean, because I saw it initially when some of the outrage was kind of blowing up. I don't know how extensive it was. It's really hard to tell the scale of things on Twitter, but I kind of saw that. And in my brain, I was like, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. And then I saw a trending that he'd apologize. I was like, no, don't do it. (laughs) Never, Never give in. I actually went back to the interview just to make sure that he said what I remembered him saying. And I listened to it again. And I was like, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. In fact, if you think there was something wrong with that statement, then I'm kind of worried about you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's very strange. I don't think he wants to lose his job and lose money. I get it. He probably isn't really sorry. But here's the thing. I, I'm sure he's a great guy. He seems like a really nice guy. But I, I took it, not that I am Mario Lopez, but, you know, I took the path of like, I'm not, I'm going to be poor rather than lie and, and do that type of stuff. He already has the money. So I'm, I'm not saying he wants to lose his job, but it's not like he's going to be out on the street. I did it when I had $500. You know, the dude's got millions of dollars. You can't just stand up for what's right now. It's, it's a little bit weak. I know I'm sure he's a nice guy, but it's like, come on, dude, if you're not going to do it now, just be like, it's all love to the community, but you know, maybe that age is not the best time. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even think you need to sugarcoat it that much, man. It's just wrong. <laughs> no, really. I mean, I draw the line at stuff pretty hard when, especially when it comes to stuff involving children. You know, it's like if you're an adult, you're grown, and you want to live your life a certain way, even if it's very different from the norm, or you want to do something that makes you feel comfortable. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, whatever. I don't agree with everything. I don't think objective reality can be changed. But if that's what someone wants to do, I'm like, okay, fair enough. But if you're talking about children and letting them consent to something like that, first of all, that's a bit of a dangerous slippery slope in my mind. If you're letting them cons- consent to that, then you know you're opening up the door to a bunch of really dark and crazy stuff. But also just the effect. I mean, anyone who knows kids knows that they they say crazy stuff or they believe in weird things. I mean, you know, my my nephew thought he was a dinosaur for a while. <laughs> and, you know, like kids, kids just say crazy stuff or they'll watch something on TV. They'll watch a show with dogs and they'll say, oh, I want to be a dog or, you know, it's and it's just innocent and it's funny. But if you start messing with their hormones or cutting bits and pieces off of them and that's completely irreversible, then I'm like, no. That's not something that someone needs to apologize for saying that this is potentially dangerous. That's just, that should be common sense, really, in a sane society. And yeah, I, I'm not afraid to say stuff like that. And I'm certainly not going to apologize for that either. So, <laughs> I, no, so, I, I agree 100. It's, it's just like if you're going to not say it outright like that, at least just don't retract, you know, at, at least give me the sugar with, with the truth, I, you know, because I know that's what they want to hear. But the full retraction now, it just kind of makes him on the side of wrong. So, yeah, not the play. So what is, what is it within you that you think makes you so independently minded? That might be a hard question to answer. I feel like we're very much on the same wavelength with, from a lot of the stuff you've said. We even started making music around the same time. Um we both do our thing independently, self-sustaining, you know, based off of the fans and the people. Have you always been like that? Like initially, were you, oh, I want to get signed to a major or I want to do this or I want to do that? Or were you always just, okay, I just want to do my own thing and be authentic? Since I was young, I was always a bad kid. I got in trouble in kindergarten. I remember I was an outcast. If I could psychoanalyze myself, it could. My parents divorced when I was three or four. So that could have added to my rebellion of not wanting to listen to authority. Uh, and it ended up being a blessing if if that is why, because even throughout school, I, I never did well and I rebelled, but I realized that I was, you know, not only a bad kid, but uh, I was fighting against the indoctrination. And I, I realized that like that wasn't all that, you know, that doesn't mean it's right just because the teacher said it. So I kind of always had that um, spirit. And when I started rapping, I never wanted to get signed by a label. I was inspired by Atmosphere and uh, Jedi Mind Tricks more. They were independent and uh, crazy enough. Uh, Baby Grand Records, who it put out Jedi Mind Tricks, they mm-hmm. flew me to New York City a couple of years ago, maybe four or five now, and they were the ones, they're an independent label. They told me not to rap about politics, just rap about women and stuff. So I was like, if they're saying that, and they they put out political music, they put mm-hmm. out, so I was like, wow, what are the majors saying then? So, But I've, I never really cared about that. It was always like independent. So what was their reasoning for that, considering they do have politically minded artists on their roster? Why did they want you specifically to rap about weed and women? 
I don't. I guess maybe they had taken a turn, or the maybe the profits weren't as good, and the leadership wanted to do that. They paid round trip for the flight too, so I was like, they they brought me out. They know what I did just to say mm-hmm. that, and I kind of, you know, I wanted to talk to them still, but I was not into it. And then they kind of didn't want to talk to me. Wasn't the best meeting, but yeah, I don't know why. I guess uh, maybe they just wanted to turn turn a leaf. But if they're saying that. What are the like? What are the mainstream saying? I've, I, it must be really bad. I know it's really bad. Like the the networks. Like if you do one thing out of line, they're like, you know, stop, go away. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I find that bizarre because if you're listening to an artist and you fly somebody out because you like their music, you like their content and whatever, and you you're seeing what they're already making, and that's the thing that got you interested. I've always found it really bizarre to try to completely change that artist change their style of music, change their beats or whatever. If the thing that that's what people are already liking, it just seems really, I mean, it seems like a dumb business decision to me even because you've already proven what people like. So why not just take that and amplify it? I agree. They're not all winners. You know, not every A&R is a winner. So I I think uh, they had an idea of what they wanted and, you know, maybe like the, the traditional puppet, but I had my idea of what was works. And I always told them like, I'm going to do this. And I was always very like, you know, burn bridges in a sense, because I felt disrespected. And uh, I did everything I said I was going to do. And, you know, I feel like they made a mistake. But that's, you know, that's their prerogative. Yeah, man. What do you think about where hip hop is right now? Uh, there's always some good people out there. But I, I was just talking to someone else. I listen to like Hall of Notes and Jackson 5 and Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. I don't even listen to rap anymore. Because uh, it's, it's very uh, slow and like very dumb. And very like a lot of pill promotion, a lot of like I'll murder somebody for two thousand dollars, a lot of really bad message. Like when we yeah. grew up, it was like, hey, I'm tough, I'm a gangster, don't cross me. Now it's literally like I'm so drugged out, I'll probably kill somebody for like fifty dollars. And you're like, that's a terrible lyric. Like I don't know. <laughs> and then you're getting people who are actually acting on these things, and it's oh. um, it's crossing into the real world quite a lot, it seems. Absolutely. And I, I live in the city. And when I walk down the street and I see someone that just looks like bad news on the street, like you just know they're just not in the in the right zone. You just feel their energy and their blast of music almost with 100 percent accuracy. I'm like, I bet there's a lyric about murdering somebody for money every time. It's happened seven times. Every time I'm going to kill him for two. I got shooters that'll kill you for a thousand bucks. And I'm like, wow. every song is like this. And I know those people are all drugged up. It's like they're the ones doing it because I mean, I live in LA. There's a lot of homeless, a lot of crackheads, a lot of like, you know, just like street people that are are not doing anything good. And and it's a, uh, it is a trend. They're listening to that music almost every time. That's weird. What do you think the source of that is? Do you think it's a supply and demand thing? Do you think it's people are really, really wanting that kind of music and those kind of messages? And so it's supplied. Do you think it's from the labels who are pushing it do you think it's more directly from the artist i mean what do you think is the is the main source of it because i'm okay with you know i mean there's there's all types of music i listen to plenty of ignorant stuff or you know aggressive music and whatnot but sometimes it can get to a level where you're kind of like you you know you become a bit conspiratorial it's like man this is so prevalent and this is being pushed so hard that what's the motive here is this really coming from the artist's heart or is this truly what the fans are demanding and so you know that's just what people want or is it the labels like you said you want they wanted you to rap about women and weed rather than politics and real talk so it seems like there are some puppet masters out there i don't know i'll put it this way i know i've seen you on twitter you said you're a christian if you want to push a christian message in the movie industry right now you're almost blacklisted and exiled like they don't want anything christian or anything that's not them they won't let you on MSNBC. They won't let you on CNN. They'll try to ruin your life. So if they're doing that, I, I think that's what they're kind of doing in music where I do think that's happening. And I've, I've listened to people who helped invent hip hop, like Grandmaster Kaz. He said once NWA came out, all the labels then said, if you're a conscious rapper, you're not getting signed. So I think they've kind of manufactured that uh, audience and they've manufactured that that demand. So I do think there is a demand for that type of music now, but I don't think it came about naturally. I do think it was engineered. I don't know if it was for money. I don't know if it was for social control. I'm not going to say I know where it comes from. Maybe it was a mistake. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I know for sure. Yeah, sure. But I I do absolutely know now everything like Twitter. uh, We had a debate and 
the big part of the debate was Tulsi Gabbard, you know, called out Kamala Harris on a record. Everyone was talking about it. Twitter made Assad, which no one was talking about, the number one trend and a featured story where that's not natural. You know, they, they're socially engineering everything. And I, I don't know if they're purposely doing it or they're just very uh, close minded. Yeah. Well, the, the Twitter trends are definitely made up because they'll they'll just throw something up there that I'm like, there's no way on earth that thing started trending by any organic means. They just throw some random weird thing up there. And, you know, there'll be some other big story, like you just said, and that's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's weird. There's so much manipulation going on. It's weird because we are obviously aware of it. And I, I assume myself and yourself are far more aware of it than the than the average person on the street. But I just sometimes wonder, man, how deep does it go? <laughs> like how it, it can almost drive someone a little bit crazy. It goes deep and every layer you peel back. I know this. I've always known the media was corrupt and I knew it was a lie since I was younger. I was pretty ahead of that. But now what I know now compared to what I knew then, every layer you peel back, you can't go back. It's what they call the red pill. But then there's like a redder pill. Like, because once you see a deeper truth, you're not all the way there. I don't know if we could ever get all the way there, but you're like, whoa, that, that changes my whole perception of who, who, who's really behind this. So it's interesting. Yeah, man. What was the last sort of thing that blew your mind in terms of that subject? Uh, the media was? Yeah, just I, something I, where uh, you were like, whoa, that was really manipulated. Uh, just researching, I would say the moon narrative, and I'm not, I'm not one to say if we did or didn't go, I'm not a scientist. I can't prove that, but I saw NASA's oldest engineer say, you know, we used to have the technology, but we destroyed it and it's a painful process to build back again. And I thought that was very bizarre. So I started doing research into the interviews, what they had, what they didn't have. And they rig YouTube's algorithm. Now, if you don't say what they want you to say, they say it's a conspiracy theory. And some are, some people just make stuff up, you know, that's obvious, but the more I get into it, a lot of stuff they're saying doesn't add up at all. And it's, it's pretty hilarious. And it's so unpopular to talk about. I'm not <laughs> one that like most theorists just think they know everything and they turn people off because they're like, it's made of this. And then people are like, what? But I just know from that was like, whoa, I've never been into that. But once I saw that and I, I kept researching, I was like, these guys go back and forth. It's like uh, they've changed their narrative like 18 times. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's interesting. That, that, you know, the moon landing isn't some, I, I hear people who are skeptical. And then I, of course, hear the, the more popular side of, oh, of course it happened. Of course it happened. And uh, I haven't done much research into it myself. The thing with a lot of, I guess, what people could call conspiracy theories, though, is with me, the ones that make the most sense to me or the ones that I think are likely to be true are the ones where there's a clear motive, mm. right? So something like the earth is flat, I'm like, no, because, well, one, you've obviously got, <laughs> got enough photos and evidence and the fact that you can see all the other planets and stars and they all happen to be around so it would be weird if earth was just flat and you can fly around you can fly around the, the there's plenty of reasons it's pretty clear that the uh, earth is spherical but also it's the fact that it's like well what would be the motive of that right if 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 i'm gonna go with what some flat earth person is saying and agree that all the countries are collaborating to lie to everybody and everything is a lie and everything is a lie i'm like well what would be the what would be the point of that like there's I no I have two two motives I thought of. Not I'm not saying it's true, but for okay. NASA, they get billions of dollars a year. So if you're if you never did something, you said even now they haven't gone back in 50 years. They say they don't have the technology, even though technology is advancing rapidly. Oh, no. Sorry, man. I understand the motive of faking the moon landing. <laughs> yeah, but even I say all right, so yeah, the Earth, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, Earth. the Earth one, I don't get the motive I'm, for. I'm not saying it's flat, but the say you have everyone looking up at space. You know, you got half the that. And 95% of the ocean is unexplored. Most of Earth is an ocean. Most of ocean is unexplored. So Earth is very unknown. Uh, everybody's looking up. No one's looking down. The could, I'm, you know, I just thought of that uh, recently where I'm like, no one cares about the ocean, but it's very unknown. And it's hard to get to. It's dark. I understand why people don't care about it. It's, but it's, isn't it interesting that most of Earth is like, you can't go there. You can't see it. I'm like, what if we're being run by super dolphins? You know, what if there's a huge <laughs> dolphin down there? He's got the button for everything. We're, we're talking about Trump and Obama, and he's just cracking up a 300-foot dolphin. <laughs> dolphin Trump we need to worry about, man. Dude, uh, so, so uh, why do you like Trump? Uh, multiple reasons. I would say most politicians just talk a big game, and they're very, very sneaky. He's the opposite. 
he uh taught well he does talk a lot but he actually proves with actions and he's not as smooth and he says cr- things that you would probably say like uh there's the Kanye lyric I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me you know like I'm talking to everyone like it's just us that's kind of his whole vibe but uh, I like what he did in Syria he underfunded like a CIA program which was funding rebels in Libya, it resulted in slavery, literally. I mean, they overthrew the leader and caused destabilization. It destabilized Syria. I'm not saying Assad's a great guy, but I don't think we need to destabilize the region. It led to the refugee crisis and kind of caused chaos for US and Europe as well. So that type of stuff, he's ambitious. I mean, jobs low, going at the Federal Reserve, calling out the media, calling out the military. He's a dream for someone like me who I was never even right leaning but uh i always knew it was a deeper story he's not the be all end all but he definitely gets deeper than any president i've ever seen so i i I appreciate that yeah man and do you appreciate that from the from the beginning or has it more like you've warmed to him as he's been president i would say when he first came out i bought into the narrative that he's a bad guy racist kkk whatever and then uh as the debates came on like when when bernie lost and he started talking to hillary i really liked him way more than (laughs) hillary and it was kind of like a silent thing where you're like whoa this guy's the real deal and when he won i was a little scared for like 10 minutes and then i was like you know what it's either going to be really good or really bad and then after two weeks i started following the media and i was like this guy might be the real deal by the time he was speaking i didn't come out publicly for months after that i don't think but i was like listening to him i was like whoa listening to him is a lot different than listening to them talk about him yeah it's weird he's he's simultaneously very honest and dishonest that's the thing it's like because people are always oh donald trump lies donald trump lies and all politicians lie firstly and the way he lies in a weird way it's like i don't mind his lies as much because they're so blatant right like other politicians will lie about something that's kind of really important it's very manipulative and sneaky and kind of hiding the ball here and saying this and not saying that and so when he lies it's kind of like to me it's mostly sort of inconsequential lies like he lies about dumb stuff he'll be like i'm the this is this was the best thing ever this was the greatest (laughs) you you know what i mean absolutely there'll be something that 20,000 people attended and he'll say that there were there were 60,000 people, right? He li- he kind of lies about stuff like that, but he's also very frank and very honest as in you just said like he talks like it's just as if he's just talking to his buddies and not everybody likes that. A lot of people say it's not presidential. I know he himself knows that it's not presidential cuz he jokes about that. But in a way it's just it's refreshing because people get tired of the politician talk, people get tired of the pandering, people get tired of the constant political correctness um even when it comes to him attacking or insulting people right you'll get people like oh he was mean to this woman or he was mean to um a person of color or a person of color who is a woman or he was mean to and i'm like dude he's an equal opportunities disser he'll diss a white man he'll diss a black woman he'll diss a mexican yeah he doesn't he doesn't care right it's to me i'm almost like well that's equal opportunities he's not (laughs) No, I almost I almost respect it because you almost have to dance around. Like if you're dissing Don Lemon, it's a lot easier to diss Bush in this modern era. So for him to say he's the dumbest man on the planet, like you're (laughs) like you're like, whoa, I wouldn't say that. However, you could tell he doesn't discriminate. Like whereas someone might discriminate and hold back because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings, he'll he'll go out there and just say it, and you're like, whoa. But in a way, like you said, it is it's equal opportunity. Uh, I'm like people. Oh, he's, he's he's racist because he dissed a black man. I'm like, well. The black man said something stupid. Why should he get any, you know, if I say something completely ridiculous and then someone's like, oh, Zuby said something ridiculous. I can't then just be like, oh, they're attacking me because I'm black. It's like, no, if you want equality, you kind of got to have it. <laughs> you really won't need to have it across the board. That means people being, you know, treating you like you treat anybody else. And he's dissed enough people of all... <laughs> colors and orientations and sexes and whatever that I'm like, okay, this isn't something that's limited to if he was just permanently constantly targeting people of from one group, like he was only attacking women and always that then I'd be like, hmm, that's a bit suspect, right? But it's like, dude, he gives it to everybody. And the fact that everybody else is a lot of it is defensive too, right? It's like people people say all this crazy stuff about him. And I think most presidents kind of take it on the chin and they don't they won't publicly 
say anything, right? The media, someone on the media will come out and say something crazy about the president. And they're kind of expected to just be a punching bag and sit there and take it and accept the criticism. Whereas he'll just jump on Twitter and be like, oh, well, I heard what so-and-so said. And he'll at them and he'll be like, yeah, well, so-and-so is an idiot. Yeah. And like, she, she's disgusting. I saw her face <laughs> bleeding. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? But it's so, it's so funny. And yeah. uh, on a serious note, your, your wisdom and honesty with this type of stuff it actually makes people less racist. And when you're obnoxious and hide behind victim cards, whether you're any race, any gender, whatever, it makes people dislike you personally more. And then sometimes some people are not as maybe wise or strong. So then they start to group more and more people in. So I, I'm inspired by people like Daryl Davis. He's a jazz musician, oh, yeah. did a documentary, you know, got like a hundred KKK members to quit because he was so cool and so wise and so chill. They eventually realized I like you better than these white guys. So I'm not as racist as I thought I was. That's kind of the name of the game. Like if white people or Spanish people do annoying stuff and won't take accountability for anything, it starts to tick people off. And then it's like, you know, that's kind of the people who act like they're fighting racism the most, they're sending us back the most. And the people that they hate them, like you call it, like you see it. And they're like, how dare you step out of line? You're like, no, that's what people want to see. If everyone acted like that from, from all backgrounds, there'd be a lot less hate and confusion. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Daryl Davis because I was in London yesterday and I was telling somebody actually about him because um, we we somehow got onto the topic of of racism and and pe I think we were talking about people using terms incorrectly, so throwing around racism too much or throwing around the term white supremacist too much or you know throwing around these words very very flippantly and some of the dangers of that. And then somehow I ended up yeah talking about Daryl Davis and oh I remember I was saying something about um. A lot of stuff is just about exposure. So a lot of, you know, genuine racism or gen genuine bigotry is often due to people not having encountered people of that sort. So if you live, I don't know, out in the sticks in the US or in the UK or whatever, and you've never met a Muslim person and you only ever see what's in the news and what the media tells you and maybe what some of your friends who also don't know much have told you, then you kind of form this opinion. But if you're around a lot of people and you've met a bunch of different people and whatnot, whether they're men, women, gay, straight, black, brown, whatever, you can't hate somebody that you like. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. So that's what Daryl Davis is doing. So you've got these people who think that they hate all black people. They think that they, you know, they think that they'll hate this guy and he goes and instead of screaming at them and telling them how wrong they are and whatever, which is difficult if you're dealing with genuine, you know, genuine bigots. Um, and he kind of leads with love and ends up befriending them and inviting them to his gigs and whatever. And then they're like, eh, I, I like this guy. And then <laughs> if that happens, then that already disproves your theory that all black people are terrible. And, you know, slowly that it, it shatters and that comes down. And that's really the best way to, you know, I guess, deal with that kind of hatred. It's, it's hard because if someone is hating on you or being deeply prejudiced, then it, it's difficult to not react in kind and sort of hate them back. But um, I think hating people back is kind of happening far too much right now in society and culture. And that's why things are getting fractured instead of trying to find, you know, common humanity and common ground. It's just, oh, this person is different for this reason, you know, a different belief, different political party or whatever. And it just becomes this silly war. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all mixed up. And another example too is like, say, I grew up, I've never had prejudice against Muslims because my best friend was Muslim. His mom was like a very uh, devout one and ran a daycare, beautiful, not racist, not hateful, amazing, one of the nicest people to me. So mm -hmm. I've never lived somewhere where I didn't know that that, but a lot of people feel that way. But what the media does is, you know, a lot of my friends that are Pakistani or this, they came in legally and then they cause, they start a war. They lie about the war, create a refugee crisis, then start bringing hundreds of thousands of people, not just from that area. They're so sloppy with it. They start bringing in people that aren't even from there who are lying about who they are, or where they're from. And then those people end up not being the best people because that's not how any system works. You don't just do that. You, you know, you have a process. And then those people do bad things, some of them. 
and then you can't report on it like in England or here or else you're a bad person. So that type of stuff makes people more hateful. It doesn't make it right, but they start see that and then they blame everyone. So it's com- combining, you know, Daryl Davis's method with just being honest about like if someone says something about bad white people or bad Hispanic people or bad Christians or whatever or Catholics, I'm not going to just be like, don't say that. That's that's Catholicophobia. It's like address that problem, you know, understand you're not part of it. And that eases the tension, but nobody wants to solve any issues on the left or the right. It's all a team sport. A lot of people are like playing like it's like their race versus the world or their religion versus the world or their country versus the world. There's no balance. So you have the left wing screwing it all up and, and a, a decent, not all, but some, you know, the right that just, you know, close shuts off and just says, no, I'm done with all of it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, like multi-layered issue that the, uh, the media is definitely making much, much worse. So how do we fix this, man? Like I would say, love not not Marianne Williamson's. Uh, uh, <laughs> dark, there's dark and psychic forces. No, I, I get oh, what she's saying. I need some spiritual healing crystals, man. <laughs> she's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, one. yeah, love, but not 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 foolishness and naivety. And I think that's what those type of people don't get. I'm I'm that big of a hippie. I'd love to drink kombucha with Marianne Williamson, but <laughs> I'm not foolish and I'm not naive when it comes to running a country foreign policy and and how cold the world can be in in certain regions so you know love with with wisdom with strength um but also understand it's okay like for people to want to live different lives like i think in america what was beautiful about it at one point was conservatives and liberals you know they could do different things we could experiment in certain states as far as uh now the federal government has so much power here that like Texas isn't like Los Angeles. They both have pros and cons. If you don't want to live there, you can move, but they everyone wants to like hyper be like, you have to be like me. You have to live this way. You have to, you know, culture wise, it's like, it's okay. I, I think it's great that you could travel the world and live in, you know, different cultures and experience different stuff. But the forcing everything onto everybody, I think is having a negative impact. So if we, I think, listen to like, without calling Trump racist, listen to what he's saying. You don't have to agree with it, but get at the core. Like, this is right. This is right. This is wrong. Not just throw it all out. Everyone's kind of blanketing. And the same with the left, as much as I disagree with how they try to operate, I understand where they're coming from. And I do understand why they feel that way, because there are a lot of feelings that they have that the right wing doesn't address and they just come off very cold. So communication, love, understanding, but not not a weak and foolishness where it's just like, Let's just open the door. Like it's like certain places you just don't want to do that, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I get it, but yeah, combo that. Yeah, you need both sides having an honest discussion, and because the thing is, I mean, there's more than two sides of a political spectrum. But if people want to split it by left and right, um, I'll use that terminology to make it simple. And the thing is, I mean, it should be obvious, but the most important thing is that each side, when functioning properly, can point out the blind spots of the other side, right? So I find that people who tend to lean right, I mean, I lean, I lean right, technically myself, I'm kind of center right libertarian, but um, it can be easy to get so into the absolute personal responsibility thing that you kind of forget about some of the situations people can be in or certain conditions that are stopping them from flourishing or achieving and whatnot, right? Whereas people who are more on the left, sometimes they overlook the personal responsibility thing and they think that everything is structural, right? Everything is the problem of the system. So we need to fix Mm. the system, fix the system. Whereas people on the right are like, no, fix yourself, fix yourself. And they're like, fix the system, fix the system. And Mm. Both of those things can be true at once, right? It's not, it's not necessary. You know, sometimes the system is broken. Sometimes there is something that's just like, ah, okay, that particular issue, that's not right, right? That's not moral or that's not correct or that's unfairly affecting this group of people or whatever. And it's important to have that conversation and come in. But then if you've got people pushing on an extreme on either side, if the people over there are saying, oh, no, we want an all white ethno state and we want we don't want and then it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, like, let's bring let's bring that back over there. And then if you've got these people like, oh, we just want open borders, just bring in everybody from every part of the country, just do away with. And you need the people on the other side to be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, let's let's bring this back to the to the center a little bit, because um, if you get extreme or radicalized on either side, then the ideas just become very crappy for a whole bunch of reasons and that's when bad things can happen to people too 
you nailed it. I always leaned left because I wanted to change and fix the system and I knew it was corrupt and I knew it was bad. But in my later life, uh, even before I was right wing or right leaning, I came to be grateful. I was appreciative. I used to just blame and hate and I changed myself when I didn't have anything and it changed my life. And I understand how important personal responsibility is, no matter who the president is, how like changing yourself to change the world, like many greats have said, is truly the right pattern. And the system is a, you know, we vote for it. We put up with it. Even if we don't elect those people, we sit and let it happen as a collective. If everybody was on the same page to fight it, it, it would go away, the corruption. So I realized that and that's what's kind of distanced me from the left wing is I, I agree with you that the right doesn't understand certain things and they the, the system, they're just, it's perfect. It's capitalism. It's great. It's not true. But the left, there's almost no value for me because it's like they want to fight the system, but then they want to make the system bigger. The government's corrupt, but let's give them the money, power and taxes and think it's going to work out when there would be be a maybe way that that would work out if you were very wise, very strong and made sure you took care of everything and then implemented it. They don't do any of that. They just scream and yell at you. So it's like, it's very, very dangerous that they don't have any personal responsibility. All their policies ignore that completely. So obviously they're never going to work. And then if you try to implement that kindly and be like, Hey, I agree with you, but this, they freak out at you. It's like, get out of here. And you're like, you're right. You say a basic left-wing thing. They Last <laughs> night, they were like, Republican talking point, Republican talking point. Oh, what do you think that happened? If, if you tried to join my team and I said, no, you're on that team, you're on that team, eventually you'd be like, yeah, I'm on that team. Yeah, on why, that did, team. why did we lose the election? Well, you told everyone they were right-wing when they were left-wing, so now they just uh, Beyond, beyond right. that, they told everyone they were Nazis, <laughs> not just yeah. <laughs> Well, luck, luckily, right. most people don't want to be associated with that because, yeah. but you know, that, that, but that's not a good, you get told that enough, you're going to go at least to a group that doesn't treat you like that. And uh, their perception of what Trump supporters are, there's some ignorant Trump supporters, obviously, but 99% of people I talk to, I meet in person, all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of ideas, all sorts of stories that you won't hear. You know, the Pakistani doctor who paid a lot of money, who came here and is very proud immigrant and understands the health industry because he works in it. I'm not saying that's the be all end all, but let him there, let him have a conversation. They purposely frame it. So it's like ignorant versus we're the greatest people. And it's really screwing with people's minds who believes that very intelligent people who went to school are indoctrinated so much. They're like, people can't fathom my. It's very arrogant. It's very, mm. very arrogant. You see the same thing that happened. I mean, it's still happening here in the UK with Brexit, right? They've got this narrative that everyone who voted leave, everybody who supports Brexit, they're just old or they're just ignorant or they just don't like brown people or they're this or they're that, right? And it, it's very, it's just very, it's, it's the same as the way people kind of sneer at Trump supporters. You see what I mean? Like they're kind of like looking down their noses, like, who are these, these filthy, it's so, it's just so arrogant and smug and off-putting. I'm like, why do you think that people don't like you? Why do you think people aren't voting for you? It's because you keep calling them hillbillies. You keep calling them rednecks. You keep calling them racists and evil people. And so that's not going to endear them to you, right? Last time around, it's like you tried, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. It's like in 2016, their strategy was to call 50% of the American population racist and that didn't work. So their new strategy is to call 80% of the population racist and see how that works. <laughs> I mean, they're starting to do it to each other, aren't they? Like the Democrats are starting to call each other racist now. I, I shared that post on Facebook, actually. It, it, oh, yeah? <laughs> it, it got a couple thousand shares. Oh, know? for real? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. I, I screenshot it. I think on, uh, on on Instagram, too, I put that on there because it, oh, so, it was so spot on. <laughs> You're good at that. Just, you know, the succinct, like, truth in, in a very presentable way. Uh, it's true with uh, the Brexit as well. Even me, because I, I share their like hippie mentality. I'm not a total, but I, I am compassionate. I am kind. I get, but if I was them and I lost the election to Brexit or Trump, what I would do is reach out to the people and be like, why do you feel that way? I wouldn't hate them, even if they were being mean. Like, why do you feel that way? I want to I wanna hear your story. They don't do that. They act like they're kind and compassionate like I am, but then they're so nasty and bitter and negative and hateful, even if you thought they were as bad as you think they are, which they're not. I still take the Daryl Davis approach of like, let me hear your story. You hate, you know, you hate people who look just like me. Let me hear why. Well, I'm mad at the central banks in the wars. Oh, me too. You know, I, I don't like those white people either. I don't like those people of, of <laughs> similar skin tone than me too. They're like, oh man, like, you know, shake head. Like, I don't, you're not going to offend me even with a lot of uh, hate or, you know, racism towards my kind if 
you know, I would want to get through to that. And then people would be like, you know, what? I like that guy or like he's he's not a phony. He's not he's not just saying that's that's how you stop it. But they're uh, they're very hypocritical and it's it's backfiring. Like you said, 80 percent, 90 percent. Let's let's see how bad they lose. Yeah. I mean, one of the weirdest things, though, is I mean, the thing that should make it obvious that it's not that simple is like, OK, why don't you if you really don't understand the Trump thing and you think it's all based on racism and it's it's all based on racism. Why don't you go and talk to one of the hundreds of thousands of black Trump supporters, right? Why don't you talk to a Latino Trump supporter? Why don't you talk to a black female? Like if if you think that Trump is this horrible misogynist, it's like, why don't you talk to someone who's who violates the thing that's in your brain? You see what I mean? Right. If you're if your narrative in your brain is okay, only ignorant white men voted for Trump, right? If that's your the narrative in your brain, which is provably false. It's like, why don't you talk to someone who's the complete opposite? Why don't you talk to a young black woman who supports Trump and get her perspective? Because you're obviously wrong because she exists. So why not speak to her? That's the thing. That's the thing that confuses me. Instead, they'd rather go, oh, she's a black white supremacist. <laughs> and you're just like, really? Like, come on, think of how dumb you sound. You they know really what I mean? Do like, that. does that does that even make any sense? No, it doesn't. So I don't know. It's like people don't really want to learn. That's the that's the thing I found weirdest. Of course, I'm in the UK. I'm looking from afar. But the thing I found find weirdest, especially as you're seeing these um the Democratic hopefuls and stuff coming up right now, I'm just looking at it like they have not learned anything in the past <laughs> three years, and, I, and that blows my mind because it's just like you're just doing the same thing. I'm like, do you, do you guys need some strategy? Like, I can if you pay me a lot of money, I can come over there and tell you everything you're doing wrong. But it, it just I don't know. It's it's very confusing. It's very weird. I say that all the time in my streams because I'm a lot <laughs> calmer and more reasonable than a lot of people who, you know, support the president. I'm like, I don't I'm not going to call you a libtard and a snowflake. Like, that's not my style. I'm trying to help you. Like, you've learned nothing. Even if you don't like Trump, listen to me for 10 minutes and understand how bad what you're doing is. It's crazy. Like, even the best of the best out of the Democrats, they're still attacking viciously the guy who more than half the country likes. How hard is it to say, you know what? I don't agree with him here. I don't like his rhetoric. I don't like his tweets, but it's nice he did prison reform. It's good that unemployment's low. That's important. You know, I like this. Like, it's not that hard to compliment somebody and then try to win over their audience. They don't want, they hate more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. They hate conservatives. They hate Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they don't want to talk to people who break the narrative because then it's like a, NPC malfunction, but I, I I think they know deep down because at a certain point some of these people are, are not dumb, and uh, <laughs> to 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 do this for three or four years, like you said, to learn nothing, it's it's kind of gross, and it's what used to turn me off from the right. I used to think they were ignorant and stubborn and not want to learn, and it's like a new level. But the weirder part is, you know, they say that these people are uneducated in this. These are fully educated, you know, fully funded, um, like luxury coffee drinking people that are being more ignorant and, and rude than anything I've ever seen from anybody. It's, mm -hmm. it's next level. Do you think Trump maybe like uh, paid off the Democrat candidates to just be crazy? Someone had a theory. I went on a hike, <laughs> with, my, I went on a hike with my buddy and he said, because I was talking about this stuff and he's like, dude, do you think that these are like right wing people purposely winning the election? I said no for a while, but I came back and I was like, dude, at this point, it almost makes more sense. Like, because they're so bad and so fake and so so off-putting it almost makes more sense that they're right wings right wingers purposely like throwing it yeah when they started speaking spanish in that debate i was like okay now tr tr trump has pulled something here he's these guys are working for him <laughs> <laughs> i was just oh, i don't know I, I haven't even watched the debates i just saw like certain clips and certain highlights and don't don't watch uh, it uh, <laughs> it'll make you dumber on contact you know like it'll it literally just like I feel it's intellectually offensive, honestly. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, uh, what's next for you, man? What do you, um, what are your uh, current goals, or have you got any exciting projects that you're working on? I'm trying to do a live event in uh, September, early September, in uh, Los Angeles. Make America debate again. I'll be Host there. Uh, okay, I think September fourth, maybe fifth. We're working on you there that day. I'm doing Joe Rogan on the fifth, and I'm okay. doing. Ruben report on the fourth, so maybe maybe it would be a, it would be a special guest, but mm. I'm trying to 
sell out a place and get a discussion, not so overly political, more like a TED talk meets like a town hall and hopefully take it around the country if it goes well. So that's, that's what I'm working on now. And then just keep videos and, you know, tweets, tweeting, tweeting a few tweets like you, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matta, make America debate again. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get some merch? think so we got we got some hats brewing definitely some shirts we're, we're it's short period of time we're trying to pull it off in but time flies so if you wait too long years I'm, you know i'm trying to get it done now but we're yeah, working man. on it okay and i know we probably shouldn't do predictions but what are your predictions for 2020 man uh i think trump wins in a landslide but if he doesn't win i will say the rigging of youtube facebook and google they're in overdrive and they have a lot of power so don't underestimate that and i would say tulsi I disagree with her on a few things. I praise her for a lot. She's probably the worst matchup for him. But uh, if any of these other clowns win, I think it's going to be a landslide unless Google releases their power to uh, cheat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how can people follow you on social media? To search for my name, it's Anomaly and it's spelled A-N-0-M-A-L-Y. The O's is zero. So A-N-0-M-A-L-Y on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Search that anywhere and you should find me. Awesome. Anomaly, thanks you so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you, my brother. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Take care. Details matter. And at OZ Lifestyle Brands, they're all about the details. Their selection of men's accessories balance style with substance and quality and craftsmanship, showcasing both classic and casual designs. They also make shopping the easiest it's ever been for you while leaving plenty of change in your pocket for your next adventure. I highly recommend them. They've got some really dope wallets, watches, t-shirts, whole bunch of cool stuff there. If you're a man who's looking to style up their game without blowing the bank, I highly recommend OZ Lifestyle Brands. OZ Lifestyle Brands delivers a unique experience to elevate style for men with ultra discerning tastes. OZ is for men who found their calling but don't need to shout about it. So go check out their full range of products at OZLifestyleBrands.com. That is OZLifestyleBrands.com. To get 20% off your entire first order, just use the code ZUBYMUSIC at checkout for 20% off. That's ZUBYMUSIC at checkout for 20% off at OZLifestyleBrands.com. Go check them out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.